left you, I was on my way to Best Buy to go get my pro controller for Tears of the Kingdom. I'm sure you're all dying to know how good the game is. Give it a 10 out of 10. My kids give it a 10 out of 10 because you can do things like this. Look at this robot with these brand new abilities you have. If you liked Breath of the Wild, this game is that with a thousand layers poured on top of it. It's, it, it for some reason, even though it's the same map, it brings you back into that joy and that wonder of, of building and finding things and creating and crafting your own agenda, uh, your, own, uh, your own journey, your own hero's journey. Something that many, many games struggle at. Super cool, but are some of you drivers, are, are you too cool? You're too cool to be playing Zelda games? You're too old for that? I got pictures, man. I got receipts. Here's some drivers out here already playing Tears of the Kingdom. Good on you guys. It's stuck in long detention times. Got to wait for that 10-hour clock to run out. Just make sure you put some sleep in there. Because God bless my wife. It was Mother's Day weekend, but she knows that, you know, my boys have been waiting all their life for this. We gave her plenty of time on Sunday, but she also gave us plenty of screen time. But we did. Did you guys have a good Mother's Day? We picked up something awesome. Take a look at this Lego uh, Birds of Paradise kit. Kids assembled that. Looks lovely. I mean, maybe they got mad because there's like the architecture sets for like dads and stuff like that. Maybe they got mad moms didn't have theirs. Big, big hit. Highly recommend that and Tears of the, uh, of the Kingdom. Now I got a chart for the day and I, you know, it's Monday. I don't want to set the tone off negatively, but I'm going to set the tone off negatively. Luke Velasca, he treated, and you can see his chart right here. Tender rejections just hit an all-time low since data tracking began. Yes, lower than the depths of the COVID shutdown. Why does that matter? Why does that matter to the greater economy? Well, tender rejections forecast economic activity, and now they're at a 2.53, meaning over 97% of contracted loads are getting accepted. On top of that, PMI is falling, indicating less demand for manufacturing as tender rejections continue to fall. Based on this trend, PMI likely has further to fall. The broader economy is continuing to slow, and the physical goods side is feeling it first. And you know what else? Student loan payments pick up again in a few months. The average payer pays about 400 a month. And it's not just students. You might think, ah, oh, it's just like 19-year-olds or 18. No, there's people in their 40s still paying off student loans. So this is going to take a big chunk out of people's budgets. So keep an eye on those things. But we're going to tackle some of these topics on the show today. For example, I'm talking to Reliance Partners' Tom Albrecht about what the banking crisis means for your freight. Do four financial crises make for a failure? We'll answer how it's impacting your fleet and consumer spending and what's trending in the banking crisis. It's Reef for Madness when travelers Christopher Carpenter joins the show. He's telling shippers and carriers how to keep their cool when dealing with frozen freight losses. We got the Truck X team. We're going to find out their story in just a second here. We're going to get up to date on everything in IoT and dash cams. And we got Rolandis Beluskis. <laughs> I got I to gotta get that confirmed with him. I've never actually read that his last name out loud. He was told uh, he'd never run again after a knee injury. Since then, he's run multiple marathons and participated in numerous Ironman events. We'll learn how he rebuilt himself. We'll find out a little bit about the freight he works on, too. We got cows on the loose, the summer supply chain jam, Australian road trains, the motorhome menace, and a whole bunch more. So let's tip the band, and we'll get this show started. 
Supply chain challenges are not always easy, but the commitment from the team at Dunavant Logistics to take on that responsibility is unwavering. Dunavant, logistically speaking, they're at the center of it all. Visit them at Dunavant.com. But right now, we're going to visit with the team from TruckX. We got Tappan Chidari. He's the founder over there. We got Clarissa Lutman, the director of product management. You guys look great. Thanks for getting up early. If I'm not mistaken, you're right over in sunny California. That is correct. Thanks for having us on the show. Good yeah, well, where, where are you sitting right now? Where are you, where are you headquartered out of? We are headquartered out of Sunnyvale in California. This is near San Jose. Ooh, nice, nice. Well, tell me a little bit about TruckX. I was looking into your background. It looks like you started this right when the second, like the, the, the big wave of freight tech companies were starting in 2016. There's a whole bunch that came out, and TruckX looks like they were among them. Tell me how this all came together. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show again. Yeah, we know each other for the last four years, so finally, great to have it here. Of course. And uh, so we started back in 2016. As you said, a lot of freight tech was coming up, and the idea was how we can have IoT devices change the way the visibility and transparency comes into the transportation. So that's how we started. Of course, the electronic log mandate came in, which really helped us get a lot of these customers. And now we are able to kind of aggregate the data and show them more value addition. But why? Um, let's stay the, on. Let's stay on the founding part of this. Why did you start the company? Do you remember when the idea came to you? What's the story behind it? <laughs> I'm always an entrepreneur. So this is my third company. I've done two startups before, and I always wanted to do something of my own and uh, bring some value. So uh, one day I was visiting uh, some show here in San Francisco, and they were talking about trucking and how bad the trucking logistics was. This is back in 2016, 15. And then I started looking, digging more into it and got me really excited about this industry. And I used to sell cars back in the day when I was a kid with my uncle back in India. So I know all this business of transportation and logistics. Uh, trucking is slightly different, but really got me excited. And uh, yeah, I threw in everything, started building the product. I visited a, a trucking show. This was in Midwest Trucking Association back in November of 2016. That was my first visit to truckers over there in Midwest, and it was really awesome. Uh, I showed them what I was doing, and I got a lot of feedback and a lot of appreciation from them, and that boosted my confidence to kind of go ahead and do it. <laughs> Clarissa, how did you join this team? So you're the uh, director of product management over there. You must have saw something you liked. They had matured for a few years. You've been there for a few years yourself now. What's good with you? Yeah, my background is in government uh, economics. I worked before at startups that simulated terrorist attacks, uh, natural disasters for customers like the U.S. Pentagon. Um, then I went into enterprise uh, um, negotiation. Um, but my, my son, he is into trucks. He's into everything that moves. And when he saw uh, the TruckX logo and the job posting, um, he said, I should apply. Um, wow. I had no idea. I was completely ignorant. <laughs> I had no idea about hardware, anything like that. Um, um, but I met with Tapan, and he showed me around the office. I met the team, and uh, I joined two days later. Well, Tapan, look, your, your logo has now become a recruiting device. So tell me the story behind that. How did you come up with the logo and name? Oh, yeah. So TruckX, I always, always wanted to have something uh, simple and can reflect of what I'm doing. And uh, the first thing I check is, okay, whether the domain is available. So I had to pay a few thousand dollars to buy the domain, but I was happy with it. And we designed the logo, hired an agency to design a logo. And they were coming up with some cool, fancy logo. And uh, uh, I came up with this idea of having X between the truck and the trailer. Uh, and that's kind of really flew, flew off. And I'm, I'm happy so far. <laughs> 
What I'm always curious about this. So in Freight Tech, what has been your approach to team building? Because especially when you started, this was relatively new ground. It's not like you're going to find a ton of people with uh, you know experience dealing with ELDs in 2016. So what approach have you taken to, to building what TruckX is? So there are a few aspects of it, right? One is the raising money part. No, none of the VCs here in the Valley knew anything about trucking. So I had to bootstrap myself. So I put my own money in. There was no external capital that went in. And now we have about 270 people. But the idea was uh, like talk to the team and people and talk to the drivers. So I spoke to so many drivers, owner operators specifically, because I wanted to really talk to the drivers to understand what problems they're facing. I visited so many customers, the yards, uh, been inside the truck with the driver. And that really helped me understand the problems they're facing. And uh, if I was able to create some empathy. Of course, what they are dealing with, I could never deal myself. But uh, at least I was much closer to them. And the whole thesis behind it is, well, you guys know how to drive trucks. I don't know how to drive trucks, but I can build something that will help you guys. And because I come from the tech background. And that really helped uh, start the business. And translating that into recruitment, um, I think a lot of people we hire, they have no no background in, in, in track tech. Um, so uh, like like when I joined, I think uh, the tendency is to underestimate the, the technological challenges. Um, so what we try to do is make it make it exciting. Um, there's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's um, I mean, almost everything we, we have and carry around has been transported by a truck uh, one, one way or another. Um, it's an extremely complicated uh, um, um, logistical system. Um, there's so much data now um, with the devices and what do we do with the data? How, make it, how do we make it usable for the users? Uh, and I think from a product perspective and design perspective, working with truck drivers, working with, with fleet managers, it's been a really exciting um, journey because um, yeah, you see so much willingness to collaborate, to, to work things out, uh, straightforward feedback. It's been amazing. Clarissa, how many drivers are using TruckX now and what are they using? What, what are those products? Sure, we have about 100,000 active drivers. Um, we have a palette of products from the ELD, Bluetooth ELD, hardwired um, 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 ELD, to dash cams, asset trackers, and different sensors, such as TPMS, weight sensors, door sensors, temperature. Well, so Tappan, what is the good and bad in IoT and dash cams right now? The world has changed a lot from 2016 to 2023. Where are we now with IoT and dash cams? Yeah, so dash cams were definitely getting started back in 2017, but now people are getting more and more adapted. But I think this is a second wave of cameras. So first is when people started using both the front-facing, the driver-facing cameras with AI built into it. And now people are letting, getting a step back on the AI side of it. Uh, it's so surprising to me when I talk to like big fleet saying there are so many false positives that get generated and now they don't want to deal with them because it creates extra liability for them. So it's kind of counterintuitive because if you get like thousands of alerts every day, the fleet manager has to deal with them. Because if there is an accident that happens on the road and they have not dealt with all the events, it bites them back that fleet manager did not take any action. So uh, it's kind of a very exciting uh, trend to see how technology can really do some things good and something's bad as well. It's definitely helping for the insurance aspect, right? You really need to have these these days, the camera facing at least the outside part. Uh, so many, especially for truckers, it's a big truck. The car will come in front and you cannot do anything. It's very hard to prove. And of course, trucking companies have insurance and everyone goes after that and, and you're done. 
What, what's the really security on the camera data? Like, for example, uh, a lot of over-the-road drivers, female yeah. over-the-road drivers out there, you have a dash cam within your cab. There could always be some sort of privacy concern. Someone's watching when they're not supposed to or some data is being held somewhere that could be hacked by somebody who's not supposed to see it. So it doesn't necessarily even have to be like a nefarious uh, onlooker. Well, what happens and how do we secure this, this private data? So there are two aspects. First is how the product is built. So there are many companies who are using these Chinese product wherein the camera is made by some Chinese company and they use the software from them. So the data goes all to their cloud and then they fetch it from that cloud, right? The companies. So these are called like white labeled cameras. Uh, that could be very dangerous because you don't know what the companies over there are doing with this data. That's why we went with an approach where we built our own software right on the edge that allows us to control the security aspect of it, the privacy aspect of it, to the extent where we provide all the alerts to the driver when the camera is uh, turning on, off for the driver facing. We can remotely turn it on and off so driver can feel safe. The data is never going to any other cloud. It just goes to TruckX cloud and we don't sell the data. I mean, we make money by selling the cameras to customer. That's why it's a subscription. It's not like a free camera wherein, of course, then there's nothing free in life. So. Either you pay for it or you pay with your data. Yeah, uh, so no, especially in tech. I mean, that's as we've all seen, your know, social media, you don't have to know everything about freight to see social media and see what can happen with data over there. But I got a question. So we talked about the data and the concern about the driver, but what about the consignees, right? What about the stakeholders who own the freight? How can, and because I'm, I'm talking to travelers next too. So how does, how can this help secure cargo? So yes, so there are cameras that can go outside the trucks. So we have something that goes on the mirrors. You can also put cameras inside the trailer. We have door sensors combined with it. So as soon as the door opens, you can take photos and images. So you know when the cargo is, when the door was open and what happened with the cargo. Uh, so that is pretty exciting, not just about when the truck is moving, but when the truck is parked and what happens with the cargo. So and then same with insurance. I know Reliance Partners has been good friends for us as well. I know Chad and uh, for a long time. Uh, it's really helpful for them as well, right? Because it's it's a proof of what happened to the cargo, what happened to your truck, to the driver. So it is getting commoditized at some sense, but also getting uh, getting important aspect uh, to be cleared when there is a claim to any cargo theft. Clarissa, before I let you guys go, what, what is there to be excited? What is there to be excited about a truck X coming out? What new products are dropping soon? <laughs> well, we are working on quite a few new things. Uh, of course, when new products come in, we'll drop them. But then I think the temp, uh, the tire pressure sensors and partnership with weight sensors that's been amazing. And we are creating a marketplace where other partners come in and showcase their product on our platform. So that is being exciting. We're talking to some big names now, uh, giant companies. I'm keeping my fingers crossed <laughs> and hopefully <laughs> we'll have the name soon out there. Uh, so, but yeah, we're constantly innovating on new products, cameras, different kind of sensors. Uh, how can we go more from trucks, trailers to even the pallets inside the warehouse? So we're looking into that as aspect as well. Well, temperature sensors are, are, are great because I'm talking about reefer freight next. Uh, Clarissa, what were you going to say? Yeah, and then the next step is how can we harness the power of all that data and make it really usable, not just uh, you know throw it at the user, but really make it, yeah, show them the information they need just in time when they need it and uh, clear call to action. Well, hey, it was great to meet you guys. Thank you for introducing yourself on the show today, getting up early on a Monday morning. 
I appreciate it very much. Uh, good luck to you and the Truck X team. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Take care. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, yeah, more of these. More of these. What are they arming up for here, people? I told you, you got to go under their belly, right? You pull forward, you pull down, you can take the battery out of those menaces. Cliff says, these are the new IRS agents. Pay up or else. Uh, Cyrus says, Chinese stole Boston Dynamics robot design and put pants on it. Yeah, what are those wearing? They have like bloomers on, uh, on their arms if you're looking at these dogs. Craig Ross says, every day looking more and more like an episode of Black Mirror. Kevin Higgins, this energized my inner drill sergeant. You'll do push-ups until your batteries die, you rust buckets. Greed says, whenever I see something like this, I immediately think I need a larger armory and a stockpile of Bitcoin. You and me both. Phoenix Desmond says, don't worry. It's just yoga class. Maybe. I'm worried, though. Let's talk to uh, Christopher Carpenter, Regional Inland Marine Specialist, Risk Control at Travelers. Chris, you like the dogs? <laughs> Love the dogs. <laughs> Love the dogs. Hey, this is, our, this is the first time. Welcome to What the Truck. I think this is the first time you've been on the show. So before we jump into things, let's let everyone know kind of what you do over there at Travelers. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's great to be here, and, and thanks for having me. I'm one of the regional inland marine specialists who assists underwriting with making decisions on risks that we take on by providing different types of analysis and, and assessments. Um, and at Travelers, we have over 500 risk control consultants and, and specialists throughout the country, which includes our transportation specialists. Um, and they assist our transportation customers in preventing losses through surveys, uh, different trainings, discussing best practices, and, and much more. Wow, you sound busy. A little overwhelmed, but I'll let you get back to it soon. But I have a few more questions to ask you here. First off, what's going on in Reefer in 2023, right? What problems are you seeing out there on the road? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's no surprise that the industry as a whole is uh, constantly dealing with Reefer losses. And we're talking about shipments that need to be temperature controlled, things like ice cream, meat, flowers, frozen and refrigerated foods, produce, and, and there's even some pharmaceuticals. Um, and these are just some of the commodities that can be damaged during roof losses. And as far as common issues, they can range from everything from improper loading and stowage um, to the fact the industry is uh, they're driving larger loads. And, and honestly, everything's just becoming more expensive. Um, there's also a lack of emergency procedures and, and planning planning for uh, reefer issues. And then we're also seeing uh, more mechanical issues and breakdowns, which could be due to poor maintenance procedures, um, a lack of routine maintenance. Uh, could be a lack of inspections for problems that can affect the reefer unit, such as holes in the trailer or damaged air chutes or door seals. Um, and even sometimes the reefer unit itself is running out of fuel. So, um, but we also see cross-contamination and spoilage, uh, which could occur during a load shift. And of course, you know, there's driver error, um, which could mean vehicle accidents or lack of training, but really maintaining the reefer and even setting the incorrect temperature on the reefer unit, you know. And, and for example, let's say you're driving from Illinois through the Southwest. What happens to the temperature in your trailer when you hit Arizona at 117 degrees, you know, I mean, you have to consider the importance of different climates when driving cross country. Yeah, sure. Prevention and avoidance is always better than making a claim. So help us out. What are some best practices to prevent that and to avoid um, running into some of this trouble? Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, most 
cases, best practices are pretty clear cut. But, you know, five things we typically look for from a risk control perspective when evaluating potential, potential clients, they could include, you know, hiring procedures. Uh, we obviously want to make sure the carriers are hire, hiring properly licensed drivers, completing drug and alcohol screenings and background checks. But we also want to gain an understanding of how they vet potential reefer drivers and, and their experience. Um, what about training procedures? Are they only training on defensive driving or do they also train on food safety procedures, trailer sanitation, um, how to maintain and inspect reefer units, how to pre-cool units or load securement? And then, you know, what about inspection and maintenance procedures? What type of inspections are they performing? What's the frequency of those inspections um, and who's performing that maintenance? And, and then what about trailer replacement programs? And then it comes to kind of monitoring and tracking the temperature of the reefer unit. You know, do they have temperature recording devices? Is the driver checking and documenting the temperature? And then what about what types of alerts or warnings does the driver get? Um, and then kind of lastly, we want to learn about uh, lessons the account might have learned from recent losses. You know, what have they been doing differently because of a recent cargo loss? You know, we want to see additional measures taken to prevent a similar loss from reoccurring. And then kind of, you know, what about near misses? How are they tracking those? Yeah, right before you came on, we were talking about tech and and one of the things they mentioned was sensors, right? And there's IoT. How is insurance looking at tech, especially in the reefer space? And what are some best practices around it? Yeah, so, you know, first off, telematics has continued to evolve over the years with, with tracking the speed, hard braking, hard turning, and, and that kind of allows for proper evaluation of drivers and being able to coach drivers based on that specific data. But even some telematic systems have remote temperature monitoring capabilities where you can monitor temperature and humidity, you know, in real time, right, from your mobile device or your computer. Or even better, some of the you know newer units out on the market, you can even control the temperature uh, right from your office, which is even more helpful when when you need to pre-cool that unit. You know, and, and then we have ELDs to track hours of service and driver alerts and dispatch alerts. But another temporary option that we'd like to see is, is portable data recorders. You know, and these can be really helpful, um, but only if they're used correctly, right? So. You know, the placement is, is really critical. Um, if you put it up against the wall or, or too close to the cooling unit, you're probably going to end up getting a, a false temperature reading. And then when you have uh, bad data, you end up making bad decisions. Wow. Chris, what else should, uh, what else should our listeners be, be thinking about? What other, what other problems um, relating to reefer can arise? Yeah, I think it's also, you know, really important to be aware of some of the more common pre-shipment issues. You know, one thing we've seen over the years are drivers setting the incorrect temperature that's listed on the bill of lading, or sometimes the temperature being wrong already when they pick up the load. So, but, and then it, it also kind of sounds silly and, and it's pretty simple, but one of the reoccurring problems we've seen is when a driver reads the bill of lading that says, 15 degrees Celsius, you know, due to its origin being overseas. And he or she doesn't recognize that it is in Celsius, so they don't always make that necessary conversion to set the correct temperature on the reefer unit that's actually measured in Fahrenheit over here. 
Yeah, you got ice cream and you end up with a with a milkshake, right? <laughs> shows up, shows up too late. No, that's not good at all. Well, Chris, thank you for walking us through some of the, the reefer madness that is is going on here. If people need help with this reefer freight, they're starting to see the claims mount up, or they're just they're just nervous, right? They're like, oh, I don't want them to start mounting up. Who do I send them to? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. Send them to send them to Travelers. Go over to Travelers.com, everybody. Thank you very much. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Take care. Appreciate your time. See you later. All right, send us the hard stuff. That's what Donovan Logistics says. When you run into that really challenging logistical nightmare that keeps you up at night, call the good folks over at Donovan. They make headaches disappear. Visit them at Donovan.com. Elsewhere. Hello, guys. I'm Ian Vassal. Vassal in Shizhong. Shizhong in Shizhong. Shizhong in Fursan. We are factory to horse industry. Horse for hotel, hotel for camping. No need construction and time is saving. Kids also like to watch transportation. I'm Han Keying. Wait till you come Hello, guys. <laughs> That's got to be the new supply chain summer jam. Kids like to see the transportation. I like to see the Tom Albrecht. Tom Albrecht, CFO and CRO over at Reliance Partners. What do you think of that song, Tom? You know, um, it's not one I'm going to hit the replay button on anytime soon, but it was okay for today. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, well, you know, it, it's tough to keep a smile on with what's going on in the freight recession and the banking crisis. There's a lot of anxiety out in the world, right? A lot of us are seeing people lose jobs. We're seeing these negative reports. I'm starting the show talking about tender rejections hitting all-time lows. I don't want to report things like this, Tom. What's going on, man? What is going on with the recent banking crisis, and how is it impacting our freight? Well, it's it's interesting, because I don't think it gets enough discussion in the freight community. So if you go back to, let's say, before March 1st and uh, the Silicon Valley bank crisis that started a couple of weeks later, freight was already disappointing and it was going to continue to disappoint seasonally because the consumer uh, was losing steam. Things we've talked about before, like wages have trailed uh, inflation for over 24 consecutive months. We also were having a late produce season. So the kicker you would get from that maybe in March and April was disappointing. But then you get this banking crisis and we've seen three banks fail but it's bigger than that. Um, what we're seeing is that uh, as loans, or excuse me, as deposits are fleeing uh, banks, you're going to see loan activity uh, be disappointing as the rest of the year unfolds. And when there's fewer loans and loans smaller in size, that means there's going to be less freight. So there's there's a lot going on there. And I don't think we've seen um, the bottom or this is going to play out for the rest of this calendar year. Now, can we call it a crisis or are we just being fear mongers if only three or four banks have failed? Yeah, it, 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 it is a bit of a crisis because the Federal Reserve has had to put in place a number of backstops. For example, uh, on March 31st, the Fed had loans to commercial banks of about $6.8 trillion. Right now, it's $9.5 trillion. So, it's a real crisis. The other thing is that uh, last week, the Fed re- uh, announced a survey of 722 banks, and their unrealized losses are over 50% of their entire capital base. That's big. Uh, 
in the first week or so after Silicon Valley Bank hit, the estimate was that banks across the nation were underwater about $620 trillion, excuse me, $620 billion uh, unrealized losses on their uh, bond portfolios. That number was updated last week, and it's thought to be over $1.7 trillion. So unrealized losses, a more cautious environment, um, deposits leaving commercial banks, all of this means that the loan activity is going to be very disappointing, and that in turn is going to have a huge negative impact on freight creation in the second half of this year. You know what concerns me? Like when I go on Amazon and so many products now, and this is happening on a lot of sites, and it said buy it now, pay yep. later at like 30% charges. And like I remember being in my 20s, and you don't, at least I didn't. I was dumb. I was not financially literate enough in my 20s that I would do these things. And, you know, I would do them because I didn't have money, which is the stupidest thing you could possibly do because then right, you get completely right. underwater on interest. This is really concerning about the consumer. And also we have college loan payments that may be coming up in the fall. That may be reintroduced yep. too. That's going to take another bite out. How big of an impact is the consumer playing in this freight recession? Oh, it's huge. I mean, the consumer is close to 70% of U.S. GDP. So the consumer does not have uh, any tailwinds behind he or she right now. Uh, it's, it's again, wages have been tra trailing inflation for, it's either 24 or 25 consecutive months. I've seen on FreightWave some of the articles about uh, packaging and corrugated box uh, outlook, as well as uh, recent shipment trends. Um, I mean, all of this ultimately... Uh, it was going to be a disappointing year from a, a freight volume and freight profitability perspective, but the banking situation has, um, it, it's much more bleak and it's not very well understood by the freight community. And I, I like in the time period that we're in right now, if you go back to 2008, in March of 2008, Bear Stearns effectively failed. Uh, and then there was sort of this quiet that spring and summer, and then Lehman failed in September. We're kind of in this quiet before the next uh, freight, uh, excuse me, financial storm and what that means from the banking community. There's going to be a lot more that happens. And some people may say, well, OK, what's the Fed going to do? OK, well, if the Fed ends up reversing course and cutting interest rates, then they won't have finished their job on inflation and so wages will continue to trail inflation. And then if the Fed holds tight uh, and doesn't reduce rates, then all of these unrealized losses, again, about $1.7 trillion in the banking system, uh, then that's going to have to be dealt with. And so there's going to be cautiousness throughout the system. And it's just not going to be a good environment for freight demand to materially reaccelerate. Wow. Well, so what kind of trends are you seeing in bank deposits? You have your ear closer to the tracks tonight than I do. Yep. Yeah, since March 31st, $358 billion of deposits have left uh, the U.S. banking system. A lot of that is going to money market funds. Those are typically uh, more in the uh, investment brokers and uh, mutual fund companies, so away from commercial banks. Uh, commercial banks have money market accounts, which uh, mirror money market funds, but they're not identical and typically pay, even in the best case scenarios, 
30 to 50 basis points less. So you can go to a money market fund and get 5% now. It's difficult for most commercial banks to pay much more than 4.3 or 4.4%. So that yield um, difference is another reason why deposits are leaving, even if there weren't the concerns that we saw in the aftermath of Silicon Valley about the banking system itself. A lot of people realize that we need capacity to leave the market, right? That's a big issue with yep. what's happening. We built so much over the pandemic. We've repeated that that phrase over and over again. But what is, because that means more job losses, that, that capacity. What does yep. that actual right-sizing capacity mean to the economy? Is there any way to even do that softly? Well, we have the largest market share with one to 20 trucks and really up to 100 trucks. So it's a part of the market that's harder to track. I know Freight Waves does a good job tracking larger bankruptcies, but you know we've seen a lot of uh, motor carriers fail uh, this year. We also continue to pick up a lot of new customers because we've got a very growth-oriented mindset. But you know, of customers that we had on January first, we've seen over a thousand of them cease operations because of the difficult freight environment. Fortunately, our premiums are still growing because. Again, we pick up new accounts or some of our producers that focused on those fleets with under 10 trucks, you know, have graduated and are doing a lot more in that 20 to 50 truck uh, arena. But we've seen it. We just see we see every week what we call midterm cancellations where they just simply cease operations and their insurance is not being taken to another agency. Do used truck prices have you concerned? I was talking to Donnie about this, and it, the, in the past year, the cost of a used truck went from like one hundred twenty-five thousand to eighty-five thousand. Meaning, a lot of people who bought equipment for those past yep. couple of years are deep underwater on some of these uh, these loans. Are they not? Uh, they are, and that's uh, undoubtedly going to be a stronger uh, influence on um, upcoming ceasing of operations. Because, as you know, a lot of these. Uh, motor carriers, they don't file bankruptcy. They may just park their trucks, cease operations, wait for a better opportunity. But yeah, it's a, it's another pressure point for the small motor carrier community. What indicators should those of us in freight be keeping an eye on on the economic side uh, as we make decisions about our business? Uh, I think watch every headline you can around uh, the commercial banking industry anything around finance. Let me just give you a recent example. Uh, Citizens Bank, a large public bank, recently announced that they're going to take down their loan book to the auto industry relative to inventory on dealer floors. It's about $15 billion. They said over the next year, it'll be reduced to 4 to $5 billion. Again, uh, that, that's going to have an indirect uh, impact on freight. Dealers are either going to have to own the inventory on their own uh, showrooms, which typically they don't, or they're going to just end up having less inventory on hand, which is going to go back then to the OEMs and the making of cars. So it's little headlines like this. Truckers need to do a better job understanding uh, the health and uh, tone of the commercial banking industry, which has gotten extremely cautious about new loan origination, regardless of industry, And we have yet to see the full uh, implications of all of that. Tom, you think a lot of freight tech companies may be in trouble now that valuations have been drawn down and money's just not worth what it was? Yeah, and I don't want to comment on specific ones. But yes, it's not just freight tech. It's it's 
You could say fintech, insurtech, every little industry that likes to tack on the word tech next to it, because a lot of these companies were counting on another round or two of additional uh, funding uh, with valuations down significantly. It makes it less attractive to do so. Um, and the the uh, I don't, the risk appetite is being lowered across the board. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of companies are not going to make it regardless of what, you know, word was in front of their tech um name here uh, in the next year. That's going to be another fallout of massive failures. Huh. I mean, this has been a little depressing. Anything optimistic, anything you like that you're seeing or any good strategy? Well, I, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals, Cardinals fan, and I like what we did to your uh, Boston Red Sox there. <laughs> well, you know, listen, <laughs> I had to get that one in. It's just going to be a tough time. I mean, you got to know your cost. Um, but I don't want to sound like I'm preaching Armageddon. That's yeah. not what I'm trying to yeah. say. But this is not just a classic boom and bust freight recession. There's some dynamics in the fi financial system that have to work uh, their way through. It's going to take the rest of this year. It may be, you know, spring of next year before freight starts to feel, um, you know, better. Um, good news is some of the metrics that we all track, like, for example, port numbers, by the end of this year, we're going to be coming up against negative numbers. The comps in a lot of the metrics start to get easier in the fourth quarter. Probably signals that next year we'll have at least a little better feel. Stability, even if it's not a massive reacceleration. <sighs> All right. Well, a lot to think about here. A lot to think about. And, you know, look, I know you're not trying to preach Armageddon or doom and gloom, but it's the reason why yep. we started talking about this freight recession last year is the same reason with those loans, those those truck loans. We didn't want people going out and getting equipment in a terrible market, then being completely upside down and and being bankrupt. And it, it yep. it's a serious situation. So you got to be mindful of it. People who need your advice, they want to survive this market. They want to talk to the great Tom or they need Reliance Partners help. Where do I send them to? Uh, ReliancePartners.com. Uh, I and the entire team are listed there. We'd love to chat with you. Uh, we've got over 110 agents or producers that can talk to you about your proper risk and insurance strategy. And then if you want to just chit chat about the freight market, we are a very different insurance agency. Our, uh, much of our management worked in the world of freight uh, we haven't spent our whole careers in insurance. We love to chat about the trucking market at large, any of us. Big trucking nerds over there. So connect with them. Tom, thank you so much for your time. Next time, we're going to get those Cardinals. It was Tommy LaRue, Tony LaRusa. He's still coaching that team. Who is out there? <laughs> no, no, it's uh, Ali Marmel. So a little bit of an interesting fella that we've got. All right. Cody Dowler in the back. He's a fan of the. He was wearing a Cardinals state today. So I've gotten in trouble from two people today. You know, I sit here in Chattanooga. <laughs> Thank right. you so much for your time. Appreciate it. All Take right. care. All right. Now we're going to meet a new guest today. It's a Rolandes Beluscas. Did I get that right, Rolandes? <laughs> no, no. Throw it at me, uh, man. Bielskos. <laughs> what, Bielskos. One more time. Bielskos. Bielskos. That, and that is, is Bielskos. that Lithuanian? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, correct. That's Lithuanian. Interesting. So uh, <laughs> what goes down in Lithuania? What, what, what is freight like in Lithuania? Uh, well, we cover the whole Europe. Uh, yeah, sure, but I'm curious north. about Lithuania. Are, 
I'm just curious. Like, I've never been to Lithuania. Uh, like, what, what is the market like there? It's tough. It's tough. It's 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 uh, end of Europe, so it's a little bit like Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same. It's like in, in France or Spain. Everyone go, goes to France or Spain. Like uh, you would go to normally to Florida. I, I would compare like that. Yeah. So and it's, it's difficult to go back. Hard to get the backhaul, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And of course, now when what with Ukraine, you know, it, it it touches everyone. It's lack of drivers and. Well, it's difficult now. Yeah, well, how, does, how that. does that change things? How has the, uh, the war and the situation in Ukraine changed how you have to operate out of Europe? Uh, well, we have everything in, in U.S., yeah. in Romeoville, but, but uh, our group operates, and in, in, we have a lot of offices, so, of course, some offices had to be shut down because of the war, uh, but Mostly it's drivers, because we had uh, in Europe a lot of Ukrainian drivers. Interesting. Do they have the same complaints that we have here in the U.S., the drivers? Uh, like, do they have yeah. an hour as a service clerk? Is there not enough parking? Is gas always too expensive? Is the ma- or, the, or diesel? Uh, is the dispatch manager always a jerk? Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, in U.S., drivers are more free to choose uh, where we drive. Like, oh. if you're a company driver, you can say, like, I don't go to Long Island, right? In Europe, we go where we are told to go. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> well, you but you don't, you don't always listen. You don't have that Europe mentality. You, you told me that a doctor <laughs> told you you busted your knee in an accident, and a doctor told you you'd never run again. So you decided, you know what? I'm going to prove him wrong, and I'm going to prove him wrong over and over again. Tell me the story. Yeah, so I, I was, uh, I, I had a, bil- a little bit of tummy grown. I, I was almost 290 pounds. Wow. I was hitting the gym for how, 10 years. How tall so, are you? How tall are you? Uh, 182 centimeters. So that's, uh, what, 6'7"? Wow, well, you're a big guy. 6'7", six, seven, six, seven, 290. That's, you could be in the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> to, to, to tie my shoes, I had to, like, do a yeah. break, you know. <laughs> it wasn't all muscle. So, uh, yeah, I started running and I busted my knee. So the doctor said that I won't be able to run anymore. I started slowly, slowly, slowly. I did my first marathon in, in like four hours, 30 minutes or so. Uh, after a few years, I did my first Ironman. Uh, that was painful. <laughs> but uh, I was I was good on the bike. I like bike part. So oh. I did a lot of cycling. Uh-huh. There's a lot of there's a lot of drivers, a lot of office workers uh, out there over overweight. There's myself included. Like to lose a little bit of weight. What was your tip for doing that? Yep, Especially if you're yep, bigger. Yep. I'm I'm over two bills over here. I'm over six feet. You know, it, it, to power the Starship Dooner, it takes a little <laughs> bit of energy. So how do what are your tips? Especially going from big guy to moving, because I know that like especially when you're overweight, the idea of running seems almost crazy. Yeah. Especially when you have like a hundred pounds or, or or more weight on you, extra. Uh, <clears throat> well, that's why I busted my knee. Don't run. Uh, start by maybe swimming, cycling, uh, uh, do something. Uh, well, not so tough on your knees. <laughs> What's your so for America? I, I I've seen mostly... I've seen people after the Boston Marathon and their feet are like peeling. Right, the skin is peeling off their feet. It's bleeding. It's gross. How do you manage to How do you manage to keep your feet intact? And what's your tip for surviving that twenty six miles? 
uh, it, it was painful, uh, but but uh, uh, well, you you have to do cycling for running when you're like. Now I'm like 160, so I lost 100 pounds. Having 100 pounds and running, it's it's, it's bad idea. Be- better go cycling, swimming. I did a lot of cycling. I did cycle for... Uh, my training used to be around 20 hours of cycling and uh, only like 6-8 hours of running weekly. That's weekly hours. What, what were your like... Because uh, diet's a big part of it. What, what were your like Lithuanian power meals to, uh, to, to change that, right? I imagine the kitchen had to change for you. Uh... Not, I, I used to eat a lot of meat and 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 potatoes. <laughs> yeah. But I I I was a lot, like I love meat. I eat meat now. I I actually became vegetarian after, like I started cycling. I, I started to get a bit uh, competitive in cycling, and meat doesn't didn't work. So I cut off the meat completely, and things started changing. Like drastically but i still ate meat on uh well recovery days so so basically i avoid fatty foods fatty foods processed foods and like sugar is not bad when you run sugar is actually good that's that powers you yeah so you have to be sugary <laughs> here we demonize it but we eat a ton of it anyway so like or we have a love-hate relationship with ourselves it's a very american thing but you wrote a strong will can move mountains, got a problem in freight, go for a bike ride. Why has that been so important to the mental aspect of all this? Uh, uh, Well, you you always have, like, uh, stress. It doesn't matter if you're in in brokerage, in, in, like, it doesn't matter in logistics where you you have all these issues, and, and, and they are painful. So it just keeps your head clear, makes everything easier. A- any kind of physical activity doesn't have to be like, you don't have to be crazy about it. But just go to the gym, do yoga. It, it makes you feel much better, prepares you for the day. You, you won't be less uh, agitated by like, those crazy things daily. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, what, it, it, from, from your seat, what are some of those things you got to get out of your mind? What are the biggest problems facing uh, you in freight right now? <laughs> rates, of course, rates. Uh, like, driver problems, shipper problems, receiver problems, communication problems. Mostly it's communication problems when you start, you know, analyzing it. So oh, Always <sighs> It helps with everything. It helps with home problems. <laughs> How do you prevent some of that? How do you do better communication? <sighs> when you go exercise for, for one hour or two hours, do one hour run, go to work next day. Uh, actually, do it before the, the work, before work, and you'll see. You'll be less stressful, and it makes communication far better. Mm. Rolandis... It's first time I want the truck. I have some videos for us to to look out as as we chat through as well. I'm sure you're familiar okay. with the show. The first one here. This is uh, look at this guy on his on his bike. I don't know if anything like this has ever uh, happened to you, but you got to keep your head on a swivel. Now keep your eye on this Uber Eats driver. He's just trying to deliver a meal here when this car comes out of nowhere. Oh, it's uh, and look at the reaction time yeah. on this driver. 
<laughs> well, that's uh, he. He's doing some running exercise. He is. You're, have you ever found yourself in a uh, dangerous situation without biking? Yeah. How do you keep your uh, How do you keep your head on a swivel? How do you keep yourself from getting run over like this guy? Well, you just don't stay in the middle of the road. That's yes, mostly it. <laughs> well, I mean, what's he supposed to do? He's trying to get on his bicycle. <clears throat> this is the other guy who's just driving out of nowhere. I guess the lesson is, right, you can't trust anybody. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You can't. What are I things? mean, I don't... for cycling... Uh-huh. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, for cycling, there's, uh, like, uh, radars to see cars coming behind you. So there's a lot of things you can do to prevent it, but... Something if you like know, if, if a chose track is coming before, you know, from behind, you, you won't hide. I mean, yeah. you won't go into a ditch because you'll end up in a ditch and probably, you know, you'll, you'll hit, hit yourself. Yeah, you got to make sure you square with the Lord, right? Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, strap yeah. yourself. <laughs> but we put some big, crazy stuff on the roadway out here in the United States, and sometimes you don't need even, even need a special license for it. Take a look at this person driving a motorhome down the road here's a truck captured on its dash cam you don't need like a cdl uh to take this thing this guy's got it here he's driving straight towards a tanker oh, wow. and he decides to cut right in i think he didn't realize he had 40 feet of motorhome behind him he goes flipping and if it, the resolution's a little low but you can see the guy stand up almost immediately <laughs> his motorhome disintegrated around him and then he survived and got right back up that's crazy uh, do they? Do they? Because you are you are you in Europe. You they mostly make you guys buy small cars, don't they? They let you just run crazy in motorhomes. Uh, you can rent with with, with uh, simple uh, like. Yeah, you need the same category for, to drive like sedan or whatever. You can rent this one. I've done it. <laughs> you haven't done that though, have you? You haven't tried to cut someone I, up. I, and... I, no, 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 no. I I I've rented this one. Not not like this one, but but a little bit bigger actually, like uh, <laughs> five. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you ever you ever do any freight over in Australia? As you know, they got these road trains here. Roll this tape. Take a look at the. You gotta love the Australian drivers. Now you say your drivers deal with issues in America. We think our drivers deal with issues, but we're not sending anyone out into the bush. And look at this thing come, and it just keeps going. That's no easy driving either, Rolandis. You 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 get stuck in your gear there. You're stuck in the middle of a puddle in the Australian outback. Actually, we are allowed, I think, to we have four trailers, like three extra. So this one has only two extra. Yeah, oh, yeah, you... we, we do this. It's called, we, we, called, we call them trains, I believe, free trains. What kind yeah. of... What do you have to consider before sending one of these out there? Do you send a spotter usually, or does this guy just uh, we, out on his we, own? We don't have we, we don't have anything in Australia right now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but do you said in, in, Lithu- in, Lithu- in Lithuania you can run multiple trailers like this to you run no, like no. war? No, 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 no. No, no. In I meant in in Australia you can add three more trailers. Gotcha. Got you. What about yeah, this? No, in Lithuania. No, no way. <laughs> no. Our, to... our roads are too small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't make a turn. <laughs> no. You might fit like a Fiat or a smart car or something. Well, what about this over here? You got any wildlife loose on the road? Take a look. Imagine being uh, the dispatch for the police here. Turn, Keep the volume up, guys. Imagine being the, bis- the dispatch for the police here. You're driving down here, and you see this cow 
crossing the road, but don't don't look away just yet. Keep your eye on the guy on the curb on the right because he's about to have a really bad <laughs> He did not have the reaction time of that Uber Eats driver. Instead, he just got annihilated by a cow. That's actually... <laughs> That's how you busted your knee, isn't it? You got just taken out by a Lithuanian cow? Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop for the drink. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, now, now I'm curious, too. What are, like, brokerages out like? Because I know a dude from Macedonia, my buddy Boris Panov. I talk to him all the time. And uh, mm-hmm. he told me about Macedonian yeah. freight. What's, what's sort of, like, culturally, what's it like working out of a brokerage or a supply chain company in Lithuania? Uh, well, it's pretty much the same as U.S. In U.S., I'd say, well, in... In Europe, we have like a lot of uh, uh, well, not whole Europe is very like un- united. Like Switzerland has its own rules, and and you you have to watch those uh, extra details which every every European like country has. So it's it's it makes it more difficult because of those reasons in Europe. But Rolandis, people who want to work with you, they got freight. I mean, you guys, you guys cover all over, right? If they want to work with you, tell them what, where you cover and how to get in touch with you. Yeah, so mainly uh, Hegelman Group is uh, European-based. We have over, over 7,000 trucks in Europe alone. Uh, we started like a few years ago in Romeoville. Uh, we have now opened the China office. Uh, so if you need to move freight from China to US or to Europe or vice versa, we can plan it and arrange everything. We have warehouses in Germany. Uh, we have like we, we cover like from US to China and mainly Europe. You feeling the global trade slowdown as we are in the US? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do you, where is it most pronounced for you? Is it coming to U.S. ports, or is there parts of Europe that it's like, wow, where did everything go? Uh, last year, actually, I was a little bit surprised because we had more freight going from Europe to U.S. Yeah, we were expecting more from U.S. to Europe, but it it it, it changed. Got you. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate your time. Rolandis, take care. Have a great time. Keep holding it down over there on the European side, brother. Thank you. Take it easy. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Blitz Week starts tomorrow. The focus this year is on anti-lock braking system. That's your ABS. It's your cargo securement. They're also looking at the mechanical health of your video, which includes, but is not limited to, your brakes, your engines, your lights, steering functions, fuel systems. Make sure you get on that. Also, cargo securements, driver credentials, hours of service, drug and alcohol impairment, proper permitting. So they're going to be looking out for you. This year, rejects rejects are so low. Usually when these things come up, we kind of warn you. like, hey, there's going to be less drivers on the road. Uh, freight might go up a little bit. Um, maybe it's not going to be a huge amount unless a ton just decide to sit out of these awful rates. But I don't know how meaningful... It'll be on the sonar charts. If it is, obviously, we'll report that back to you. Hey, this is What the Truck. We are on three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, live at noon Eastern time. 
or on demand whenever you want. You don't need to make an appointment with your TV. You can listen on audio wherever you get podcasts. Look up What the Truck. Go to our YouTube channel, Freightways YouTube channel. Subscribe to What the Truck there. Find me on the Twitter at Timothy Duna, D double O N E R. And find this channel, social stuff at FW What the Truck on TikTok and all those other things. Take care. Don't be a stranger.